No More Weekends, episode 64. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Profit with Law. I am your host, Moshe Amsal, and today I'm going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart because so many law firm owners and, and many business owners out there work entirely too hard. And this is something that I've been working on for years. And I, the bottom line is, is that hard work does not equal success. Uh, the proof is that there's a lot of people who are working really hard out there and they're not so successful. So if you want to be successful, does that mean that you need to work hard? No. And the proof there is that if you look at successful people, are they all working hard? No, some of them don't work hard at all. So what defines success or, or what attributes create that success if it's not how hard we're working? And that's where I want to focus this episode on. Uh, I want to talk about something that's coming up on a lot of the free coaching calls that I've been doing this month. So for those of you who don't know, uh, for the month of February and actually the beginning of March, I opened up a number of slots for free coaching opportunities with me. There's only a few of those left. So uh, on Friday, I sent out a message, sent out an email to my uh, anybody who subscribed to our email list. And I let them know that there's eight spots left. Those eight spots were taken almost immediately within a few hours of that email going out. Turns out that we've had a couple of cancellations. And I also decided to open up some uh, a few more slots in the month of March. So uh, if you're still interested in a free coaching opportunity, a 90-minute phone call with me uh, where we can dive deep into what might be preventing you from achieving the results that you desire, then definitely go and book that call immediately. Go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching, profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching and you'll get the calendar right there. You'll self-book your slot. You'll have to answer some questions and uh, we will be good to go. So I, I really look forward to having you on that call. Now, what's been coming up on these coaching sessions is a, a lot of people have been telling me I'm working on the weekends and I want to be able to not work on the weekends. Like that's one of the things that they want to be able to do. And it's it's baffling to me or mind-boggling to me that that becomes a requirement. It's almost ingrained in, in your upbringing as an attorney that in order to be successful, you have to be working on the weekends. I've even had people tell me things like that. Well, if I want to be a, a successful law firm, then I have to work on the weekends. Who said that? Who made that rule? The reality is, is that there are plenty of successful law firm owners who are not working on the weekend. And the, if your only proof is people that you've looked at that are working on the weekend, then you need to find yourself new proof. But what I wanted to do in this episode is I wanted to talk about why 
Do you would you end up working on the weekend? And what might you be able to work on or resolve in order to overcome that, in order to improve that process? So there are three main areas or main reasons why you would have to work on the weekend. And I'm going to go through those one at a time. And then we'll um, uh, share with you a number of tips that you might be able to to work on in each of those areas to improve that to perhaps free yourself up to not have to work on the weekend any longer. I hope that sounds good to you. If it does, listen in because here we go. So the first area is poor time management. Now, you might have intuitively known this already. Some of you might think that you're really good at time management, while others might be sitting there shaking their head saying, yep, that's me. I know. I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. Uh, Time management is a tough one. We can spend our entire careers trying to perfect our use of time and be able to be as efficient as possible with that use of time. Uh, the problem is that we don't realize how ineffective we become when we're not efficient with how we manage our time. So here are some of the things that you can do that are really not so difficult to implement, but don't try to do them all at once. Um, that would be a recipe for disaster. Uh, but if you could try to take one of these and implement it, and then once you've perfected that and it's uh, natural for you, then you can take the next one and try that one. So the first one is time blocking. Now, time blocking essentially is where you decide that you're going to do a certain type of activity in chunks. Uh, so for example, if you do intake calls, right? So some people charge for that. Some people do it free. Some call it a consultation call uh, where basically you're spending an hour with a potential client. And at the end of the hour, you're hopefully getting a new client uh, or they're they're walking. Um, now that could be in person or it could be over the phone. But um, what you can do is, is you can book all of your intake calls on certain days of the week and certain times of the day. So you're lumping them together. And you do, uh, for example, let's say you do three of those calls on Mondays in the afternoon and you do three of those calls on Thursday in the morning. So this way you have two ends of the week, you have a morning and an, and an afternoon, so you give people options and those are the blocks that you use. And once those are filled, somebody gets pushed to the next week. Now, this you have to decide based on what where you what kind of practice area you're in. If that delay in time is going to mean losing a client, then maybe you need to open more slots if you're filling those up. But the idea is that when you put on your salesperson hat, when you put on the hat of somebody who is dealing with a potential client, it's a different hat than when you're doing client work. It's also a different hat than when you're managing the office. So if you lump all of those together, then you don't need to switch into that hat very often. And this way, you're, you're able to be very uh, efficient and productive in doing those things, and it's not destroying your calendar for the rest of the week. Um, I mean, I look at me right now. I'm going through these free coaching sessions. Um, it basically is allowing somebody to book anywhere on my calendar, right? Um, now, the reason that I am not following this specific process for me personally is because 
I am only doing this for a period of time, right? So for the next, for six weeks, I'm offering the free coaching sessions and then I'm done because I'm working with my new group coaching uh, uh, students or, or, or uh, law firm owners that are getting 100% of my attention and I'm not doing any free coaching sessions. I'm not dividing that attention, but that's for my model that works for me. Uh, but the example is that, so anybody can put themselves in my calendar and what's happening is, is that I've get I you know two 90 minute calls plunked in my calendar at two ends of the day and all of a sudden there's no time for productivity in between so even though I'll have an hour between the calls by the time I actually get into the zone of doing something that hour is gone so instead I'll, I'm gonna go and grab something to eat I'll have a lunch and now I've got my you know more than half of my day is gone with just these two calls on my calendar right so that's how it is. If you if you allow those calls to be made at any time, it's going to kill your other available time, right? It's it's gonna, you lose time around the the booking that you're not going to get back. So if you lump these calls together, you don't lose as much of that time, and it's much more efficient. So that's just one example of time blocking. But you can do time blocking for anything, for drafting, for uh, client calls, for in uh, court appearances. Now, court appearances, obviously, you don't control that time, right? But you could you could try to time things around your court appearances and uh, make sure that you're not doing anything that is going to require the energy that you don't have after an appearance or that you don't want to give before an appearance. So being careful about what you're allowing to happen around those also is uh, is important. So time blocking is just one thing that you can do to help with time management. The second thing that you can do, and this is very basic, but a lot of people don't do it. As a matter of fact, no, most people don't do this, and that's planning. Now, I, I probably have episodes already on this podcast about planning. I have to look back and, and find them. And unfortunately, I don't have the time to do that now. I'm trying to get this recorded before I head off to a wedding. So the planning is extremely important because it allows you to just follow a plan. So what, what I do is at the beginning of the week, I think about my entire week and I look at my calendar for the week and I look at all the things I need to get done and I try to make sure that I know when I'm going to be doing each of those things so that nothing's coming as a surprise to me. Now, it's never perfect. There are always surprises, but there's a lot less surprises when you plan. And this way, you can organize your week in a way that is efficient, that makes sense. So it does two things. Number one, it, it makes you think about it at the beginning and makes you think about it beforehand. And then the second thing that it does is it actually gives you a template to follow. So now I can go and follow the path that I created and just go th go down the list and say, okay, I did one, I did two, I did three, and so on, and just check it off, check off the boxes. The third thing that you could do is scheduling, which goes hand in hand with planning, and that is to just schedule everything out. So make sure that everything's on the calendar. Make sure that nothing is being booked that you don't know about missed appointments and and blown opportunities and uh, or appointments that you find out about at the last second and you're scurrying around to get to and and honor is is a is definitely a, a recipe for disaster so <clears throat> you want to make sure that you're scheduling everything in your calendar and following that schedule and the ne next one is say no to interruptions and this is a very difficult one 
to put your foot down and stick to. But especially if you have staff, uh, you know, some people think that an open door policy is actually a good thing, but for, for some things it is, right? For, for human resources issues, it is, uh, but it also can be very disruptive to you to allow somebody to just walk in and get your attention. So you have to get into the habit of saying no to interruptions, and by saying no to interruptions to people, you're going to educate them on the right way to interrupt you. So it's not necessarily walk into my office and say, hey, I've got this and this, and I need your opinion on it, but rather they can you know, shoot you a message and, and you know, wait for a response and, or, or ask for a piece of time on your calendar. You know, I need five minutes to discuss X, Y, and Z, when, what time is good for you. And then this way you can go to that place where they're requesting those interruptions and you can schedule those. And then this way you're not being interrupted during your flow of activity while you're actually getting something done. So saying no to interruptions is a big one because we don't recognize how much time is wasted when somebody interrupts us. We think it's just the amount of time from them walking in the door until they leave. But the reality is, is that there's time around that, that you, you are in a thought process. Now you have to get back into that process. You can't just pick up where you left off. You got to recollect your thoughts and you got to get back into the zone. Sometimes you're being really, really good like you're you're the you, you have the flow and you're the work is just going and then you get that interruption and you don't even get back to that that great place that you're in so uh saying no to interruptions is a big one it's the easiest probably on this list once you get used to doing it but it's also probably the most effective and then the last is keeping meetings on schedule. Now, you may not have a lot of meetings, especially if you're a solo. Uh, this could be client meetings, but usually the ones that go way off schedule are internal meetings. So if you have a staff and you do uh, meetings with your staff, usually those schedules can go way off. Now, we can do uh, entire episodes on each one of these, by the way. But meetings on schedule, the key is have a plan for the meeting. What is the objective of the meeting? What is the agenda? And just follow that and then end the meeting. There's no purpose in having a bunch of people in a room just for the sake of saying we had a meeting that went 30 minutes long. If after 10 minutes you've accomplished the agenda, then dismiss it early. Let everybody get back to work and you got 20 more minutes on your calendar, right? So... Uh, keeping meetings on schedule can be a big one depending on whether or not you're conducting meetings. Uh, so that is, in a nutshell, some of the basic things that you can do to fix uh, some, some poor time management that by doing that might actually make you much more efficient during the week and allow you to not have to be doing that work on the weekend. Now, what else might be causing you to have to work on the weekend? Well, the next thing is an ineffective pricing model. And what I mean by that is that you're not bringing in enough revenue from the work that you're doing in order to get the results that you want, which is why you're finding that you're needing to work on the weekend because ultimately you're trying to earn a certain amount of income. So the pricing model could be ineffective on the front end or on the back end. In other words, it could be that you're not charging enough, or it could be that you're not billing enough, or you're not collecting enough. So all of those I would fall under this category of ineffective pricing model. So the 
first step in the ineffective pricing model, you know, the first thing that you can do uh, to fix that is to implement flat fee pricing. And for that, we definitely have an episode on this podcast. And I'll link to that episode in the show notes. I'm not going to look it up right now. But I'll link to that episode in the show notes uh, where we talk about flat fee pricing and how to implement it. But that is a surefire way to bring in more revenue for the work that you're doing and essentially be able to work less. So working less is what might allow you to not work on the weekend. Now, the second thing is don't price from the competition. In other words, a lot of people say, well, I can't charge that because other people are not charging that. So I had somebody tell me, you know, I, I, I really think that my time is worth $1,000 an hour, but nobody's charging $1,000 an hour. And I said, so? If, if your client that is hiring you values you at $1,000 an hour, who cares what other people are charging? If that's what it's worth, then that's what you charge. So uh, you can't be afraid of charging too much because your competitors don't charge that much. Your job is to differentiate yourself from the, from the competition. Now, I am not um, talking about anything related to uh, your ethical requirements. So, it, you know, there, there are um, uh, certain bar rules that, you know, in some states that might not, um, that might not allow you to charge, uh, you know, uh, a fee that is, you know, that is unheard of. That's up to you to do that research. But most likely, we're not talking about that. Most likely, we're not in that range. And we're just talking about the difference between 400 and $600 an hour or 600 and $800 an hour. And, and I'm giving hourly uh, examples because I think it's the easiest for you to understand listening to this. But the reality is, is that if you do flat fee pricing and your competition is also doing flat fee pricing, you might have the same resistance. Don't, don't do that. You know, like if your competition is charging $5,000 for an estate plan and your target market is high net worth affluent individuals and there's a lot to protect, you can probably charge a lot more than $5,000 for that same plan. Charge what it's worth to your to your clients you know value it from the place of what it's worth not from the place of uh what what are other people charging for this it's a very uh a very poor poor place to be coming from um and then along the similar lines don't be afraid of your value and what i mean by this is uh don't be scared to charge what you believe your what you believe it's worth Okay. So a lot of people get in their own way when it comes to value, right? So they say, you know, this is definitely worth $10,000, but I don't think that my client is going to want to pay that. So they, then they, they talk themselves out of it, back themselves backwards. Okay. I'm going to do 8,000. No, it's still too high. I'll do 7,500. So now you took a $10,000 product and you sold it for 7,500 bucks. You left $2,500 on the table. You you could have allowed the client to negotiate for the twenty five hundred bucks, at least then they're asking for it, but you never gave them the opportunity to give you that twenty five hundred dollars. So don't be afraid of your value. State your value. Put it out there, and if you're willing to decrease that, if somebody negotiates that, that's okay. But put it out there. Don't don't do the damage to yourself. 
And again, ineffective pricing models, this is what's this is what's keeping you working on the weekend. So think about the the ramifications of what you're doing. Think about what happens when you make these decisions. Uh, and then don't be afraid to bill. And this is the last one. This is a big one, right? So we, then we, we do the work. We negotiate with a client. We come to a rate that they're, that they're good with, that we're good with. We do the work for them. And then we issue them a bill. And when we go to issue the bill and we review all the time spent, we suddenly start to say, this doesn't make sense that we should have spent this much time on. Let me adjust that. This doesn't make sense. I can't justify charging them for this thing. So I'm going to adjust that. And we play this game and we end up decreasing and decreasing this, um, this bill. So essentially, even though we did all the hard work to collect that higher fee, we're now collecting less when we actually collect the money. So don't be afraid to bill. Put the bill out there for what actually happened. Let the client actually question those things and then explain it to them. And then if there's still a problem, you can always adjust it later. But don't be doing that damage up front. You're, you're killing yourself in the process. And, and we're, we're all doing this. Or not all, but most of us are doing this. So, uh, you know, let's start to exercise that muscle of, being, of just being open with our, our clients and letting them know this is how long it took and this is the bill and see what happens. Some of them are going to pay it. Some of them are going to argue it, but they're going to argue it anyway. So don't be afraid to bill. Don't get in your own way when it comes to billing. Now, we covered poor time management. We covered ineffective pricing model. The third is lack of enrolled support. Lack of enrolled support. What do I mean by this? Support are the people that are helping you get the job done. Now, if you're a solo, this could be contractors or it could be nobody. It could be just you. Um, right now, it's just you. Then lack of enrolled support means you're not making use of your op options out there to hire people or subcontract work out to get the work done so that it's not all falling on your shoulders. If you use contractors or you have employees, then it just means that you're not using them efficiently or you don't have enough of them. And nobody said that running a law practice profitably and making a bunch of money has to be all on you. Now, you could choose to run a solo all by yourself. And then the only way for you to grow and to bring in more money is to either work more hours or to charge more for the work that you're doing. And we're trying to get you to work less hours. We're trying to get you to not work on the weekends. So your only option is to charge more for the work that you're doing. But there's another option. And that is don't just be a solo by yourself. And I'm not saying to hire staff, but you could outsource something. You could hire a virtual assistant to handle some of the day-to-day -day mundane tasks that are literally $10 an hour tasks so that you could be spending your time on the $500 an hour tasks. So lack of enrolled support, we're going to go through what these are. Hire the right people. The right people does not have to be legal support staff. It could be a virtual assistant that's just helping you keep on top of your email and is doing your billing for you. It could be, um, you know, uh, it could be somebody who's uh, just doing court appearances for you. You don't do a lot of court appearances, so you go to another attorney, you partner with them. 
you do all my court appearances, you pre-negotiate a rate, and now they do your court appearances and you do everything else. Or you have somebody who's just doing drafting for you, or you have a part-time paralegal that's doing some work for you. Whatever makes the most sense for you, but get that extra support that you can still make money on their time and so you're not losing money. And people always say, well, I can't hire somebody because it's going to cost me and then I'm going to bring home less. No, it's not. It's going to make you more effective. It's going to give you more time to do the things that you can make money on. So instead of you spending time doing these $10 an hour things, $25 an hour things, you could be focusing on that $500 an hour task. If you already have people, create a team environment. Creating a team environment means that everybody's working together to accomplish a goal. And um, you, need to, you need to make sure to communicate that goal to them. This is, we're, we're going to just touch on this in this podcast episode because team building and, and uh, I mean, those conversations can be long conversations. Uh, maybe I'll bring Molly back, Molly McGrath, uh, back onto the podcast to talk about that with us. Um, but create a team environment where everybody's working together to pull the law firm forward towards a goal. Increase team communication so that the team members are talking to each other so that people know what other people are doing and that there isn't miscommunication where things get dropped, things get missed, clients get forgotten about. Create ownership for the things that you're doing. So um, allow a, a team member to take ownership for a responsibility. And by giving them that power, by empowering them to own it, you're also giving them the responsibility of completing it, which means that they're going to get the job done. People want to own things. They want to get the job done. They want to do it for you. So create that situation where they can own that piece of the project. And finally, create team incentives. This does not have to mean money, okay? Create incentives. Create something that they would appreciate that is going to give them an incentive to perform better. And it could be as simple as recognition. It could be a small thing like a gift card or a dinner. Uh, it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm giving you a raise or a bonus. The recognition can come in many different forms and uh, you need to unlock that so that you can create these incentives that's gonna motivate people to move forward and pull in the right direction. Um, and with that, I'm just going to give you one last reminder. If you want to book a free coaching session with me, spots are limited. The opportunity is going to be gone by, by mid-March. So you want to make sure to book it now. Go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash free coaching. Book that session and I will see you guys uh, this Thursday. We have an amazing interview coming up. I'm very excited to share that with you. So stay tuned and take care. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.